Come here. Come here. Clap. I, good afternoon. Uh, a little technical dif- difficulties to start off with. Uh, but we, it was your difficulties. I know. I wasn't looking at the your screen. Pronouns. I know. I wasn't looking at the screen. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, possibly one of my most favorite people that I ever got a chance to work with and still technically do work with. Um, one of the smartest people I know, one of the most, honestly, one of the funniest individuals I know with this off-the-cuff humor, uh, Billy Lane. How are you doing, Billy? Hey, y'all, it's Billy. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Although, Pete, I will have to, or Bigger Moser, how are we referring to each other during this platform? Does it it doesn't matter. matter. All right. It doesn't matter. You can go I, I go Moser, back and Pete. forth. Yeah. All right. Pete, let me ask you this. Do people call you Pete? Um, so I've had a lot of nicknames over the years. Um, basically any combination of Hager Moser you could come up with. Right. Uh, Hagendas, Garnhoser, uh, <laughs> Wait, Aggie. Are, are those weight uh, jokes? It's, yeah. it's like rookie <laughs> of the so. year. Basically. So Rowan uh, Garden. Haggy yeah. Haggy was a staple for like high school and like middle school. And it's funny enough that like my dad and my brother and me all nickname Haggy. Like and just what about Hags? Hags is Hags has definitely been a thing. Uh Pete, a lot of like some friends call me Pete. Kelsey never calls me Pete. Mm-hmm. Never calls me Pete. Uh mom never calls me Pete. But it's basically I answer to anything. Pete, Peter. Gotcha. Well, I thought the other day, like, you know, and I, I always refer to you as Pete, whether I'm talking yeah. to you, whether I'm, I'm talking about you. Uh, and I, I, it kind of hit me the other day. I'm like, well, does anyone even call him Pete? Because as, as a Billy who's not a William, I, I, I do not go by Bill at all. When I, when I typed in your email address, because I was going to send you the link, I've done it. I've done this. I've, I've emailed you several times. I mean, right. we've been on several emails. It just dawned on me that you're Billy. You're yeah. not a William. In my head, you were just always a William, and you just were Billy the entire time. But no, I, it, I grew up. The email a, says B Lane. Yeah, no, I grew up in a trailer park in Stokes County. There, there ain't no William there. It's just straight Billy. Well, let's talk about that trailer park in from Stokes County. Let Let's start there, uh, and then like, I think a lot of what we're kind of learning these days is learning more from people's experiences, learning more about the depth of where they come from. Uh, and how that can build to the great man slash beard that you have become. Because um, those of us that still have, you know, junior beards that we try to keep it nice and neat and trim, uh, you and Peter are kind of setting the standard. Uh, so what, what, what are some life lessons that, you, that we need to take from those things? That's a, that's a great question. I will also say this, that given the compliments that you two have already lavished upon me, y'all need a, a broader and more talented group of friends. <laughs> um, but, but I do appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm, I, I consider myself very fortunate to have grown up the way that I grew up. Um, you know, I, I was born into a family that was very blue collar, very hard work. And in fact, both of my parents got their G- GEDs when I was in uh, middle school. So, you know, I'm a first gen college student and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade any of that for, for because um, I think it's really sort of informed, you know, especially when we look at some of the issues that our society is continuing with now, both in our local community and across the nation. Um, I think that my background has really informed me in ways that I would say are, um, are very appropriate at the moment, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you know, having grown up in a blue collar, kind of white working class background, I think um, 
you know, when I see some people and I, and I don't know where you guys want to take some of this conversation well, today and how deep you want to go, but no, you know, we can go deep. That's just fine. like, like I understand, like I get why, why some whites scoff at the notion of white privilege. Cause I look at like the background of my father and I look how hard his life was and some of the things that he had to overcome. And there's no doubt about that, that his life was not one of privilege. Um, so I get that. And so I think it makes me uniquely qualified sometimes to talk to some of my white friends who scoff at the notion of white privilege. And I can say, well, look, I get where you're coming from, but here's, here's what it really means. Like yeah. I understand why you feel like that phrase might be attacking you and assuming that your life was easier than, than what it was, but here's what it really means. I, I remember in college, I was in, I think it was my junior year of college. I was taking one of my education, education classes. And that was when I really got introduced to the term white privilege. And it was more, again, as someone who just lack of awareness, lack of understanding of just like not being in certain uh, circles. My college professor, I thought did a very excellent job of just simply explaining it. Being like, how many of you guys have ever gotten a haircut in Marquette? And like everyone raised their hand. And Billy Marquette is like, you know, small town in the middle of the up like it's it's a college town but like you know it's it's not a major city and she said i had an african-american professor who was a colleague of mine five years ago when, when she lived here she got her haircut in green bay because those are the in green bay was the closest place that they knew how to do her hair and she's like that's my privilege she's like you guys can go anywhere and get your haircut because of just what's available to you and but that's not the case for everybody. And I remember that that's the one that like, it really clicked with me. So I was like, oh, well, yeah. Like I literally can walk into any single, I can walk into a salon, I can walk into a barber, I can walk to multiple different places and they all know how to do my haircut or they all know how to give me a haircut. But like when you talk about other ethnicities, that's not the same. The, my place in Fuquay that I go to, Reveille Barbershop, will probably don't know how to do the style haircuts that many different ethnicities require. Mm -hmm. um and so that was just like that was the eye-opening experience for me when i was in college right no you know i think that's a great example and i was talking to my mom about this uh last week because my my mom and my niece and one of my mom's friends went went to the beach and my niece who is um a sophomore in high school um and i treasure the fact that she she texts me questions all the time well, hey, I, I read about this. What does this mean? I read about this. You know, what does that mean? Did Trump really say this? Did Pelosi really say that? And so I, I really appreciate the fact that she asked lots of questions. But apparently my niece and my mom's friend, who is, you know, is an octogenarian. Um, so obviously there's a generational divide there. Got into some political discourse at the beach. And my niece was kind of rage texting me as it was happen, <laughs> happening <laughs> and um which is probably best that she rage texted me rather than than, than rage talking to my mom's yeah. friend but so i called my mom after their beach trip and say hey, so how was that refereeing you know madison versus louise <laughs> and um that opened the door to my mom and i talking about some of these things and, and you know the, it's it's been interesting to engage in these discussions. And, and like I said before, like I use my dad as an example a lot. You know, my dad died in 2015 and I did the eulogy at his funeral. And I thought the way to really pay sort of homage to him and, and to honor him was, was to talk about some of the things that he'd endured. And I was like, you know, mom, nobody would ever say that dad had an easy life. And she said, oh, absolutely. And I said, but 
his race, his ethnicity was not one more difficulty, not one more mm-hmm. thing that he had to overcome. And I said, yeah, that's white privilege. And she's like, Oh, I think I get it now. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's definitely hard. You know, I, my family feels a certain way about what's going on right now, but my wife's side of the family, I know they feel, you know, a kind of a different way. I mean, they're not completely against it, but they, they definitely do feel a different way because of their upbringing, because of, you know, my sister-in-law is one of those individuals that she, she was deemed as an essential worker during all this COVID stuff. And so what really annoyed her during this whole process was that like she was required to go to work and risk her health and she couldn't go to unemployment where like people who are on unemployment were making way more than she was going to work every day. And so like, it's one of those that I think we, we talked about in our last podcast, the two podcasts ago, and that like a lot of times we just have to listen and understand like people's background and like what they've gone through and listen to understand instead of listening to respond. Because like when you hear different points of view and you're like, all right, I understand what you're going for. I understand what, like, why you feel that certain way. And I like respect that. I mean, you got to, and at the end of the day, you got to respect it, whether you like it or not, you still have to respect it. Um, And maybe try to educate individuals a little bit about what's going on. I, I think that's a great point. And, you know, and I've even lowered the bar even further, you know, as you bring it down from listening to respond to listening to understand, I've gotten to the point where I've, I've encouraged people. If you can't get to a place of understanding, at least reach a place of, of compassion, you know, mm-hmm. that even if you can't understand someone else's viewpoint, even if you can't understand what it was like to walk in their shoes, whether it was a mile or whether it was a step, if you could get to a place of compassion, that's, that's moving, you know, not to go all sports here, but that's moving yeah. the ball down the field a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, I think it's, you know, using my family as an example again. So my sister, Bill, I don't know if it was my sister came out as gay back in 2011 and never told my Nana in public, never told them, never, and Nana died without knowing. And my Papa, we assume died without knowing. Now, granted, like my sister was with her now wife and like visited our house several times with my now sister-in-law. And she was just Betsy's friend because Papa, when we were all younger, said some stuff that, you know, made us think that we should probably not tell Papa while he was alive. And apparently, like, on his deathbed, he was like, oh, I know. Like, I know you're, you're together. Like, I'm not an idiot. And I'm fine with that. Are you happy? Like, I mean, it's basically, and, like, my mom cried. My sister cried. Because it was just, like, we basically, they were like, we lived this life for the last several years. And we could have just been really open. And I think that's just a really good example of like the growth because my grandfather was like that typical grandfather, like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. Get off my porch type of man. And like the ability for him to like flip a switch and think differently, because now I think it also goes back to what we talked about last week is like, now you put a face to it. It's not just someone who's just like out there that like, oh, I don't know them or we're friends with them. Now it's his granddaughter. So now I think that, you know, for, for you and for your mom, when you're talking about your dad, like now it's not just like somebody out there. Now she can actually make connections to a real person. So I think it's really impactful. Um, but honestly, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you guys, you on this podcast today, was so every year at the end of the year, I always, like when we do our TED Talks and like our kids do the student speech, we, I always do like kind of Mr. Hagemoser life advice as someone who's like in his mid to late 20s and now probably considered his late 20s. So like, we're kind of in three different brackets here. I'm in my late 20s, Sanders is in his mid 30s. 
uh, you are in your early 40s. So really what I think would be really beneficial for guy, for individuals is to how about we each just go around and say, all right, you had to give advice to yourself 10 years ago, knowing what you know now, like, what would you say? And don't tell me that you would play the, the stock game. You know, don't, you know, don't say that you, you would buy Google because that's not what we're looking for. So I don't know, Billy, if you want to start because you're the oldest or do you want me to start because I'm the youngest? What kind of, what kind of, what kind of gist are you going for here? You said so, 10 okay. years ago or just, I will start. or like when we were 16, because those are like two different. Okay. You realize that 10 years ago was not when you were 16. That's why I said it's two different no, things. So I would say Sanders, I would say like in your, like you, what advice would you give people in their mid to late 20s? So basically my age, now that you're in your mid 30s. I got you. So I'll start to make it. So you guys get then. Um, so like we talked before this podcast that like, how I think now as 28 years old, probably for like the last year is completely different of how I thought about life when I was like in my mid twenties and like early twenties. And I like my two big pieces of advice for individuals, especially like going into their twenties, which like high school seniors, colleges are all like you're in your twenties is a take a leap of faith and B don't compare yourself to other people in your 20s like and i think that that second part is one that i struggled with a lot because like i had a lot of friends who like graduated from college and immediately became super successful and like from the outside had their life figured out like had the big house had the multiple cars you know i had a girl i went to high school with that like she's on her third kid who's married to a doctor she's a doctor like all this stuff and i remember like in when I was in my mid twenties, trying to like just figure everything out and how to like live my own and like adult, well not live my own, but like you know move to a new area and live by my live with my wife and it's just there's a lot of comparing that you can do because you're all at different spots. Like some of you guys are going to be really successful when you're in your early twenties, and some people are going to be really successful in their mid twenties, and some people may not be successful until their thirties. Um, but I think like the first half of my twenties and mid twenties, I was like, I struggled with that a little bit. And then honestly, I just like, I stopped caring about it. Like, I was just like, I became like actually happy. So like when someone got a new job and they got a promotion, I was like, that's awesome. Like, good for you. And I think it's because like, I became much more happy with my situation. And I was like, no, like there's a lot of benefits to where I'm at and like my situation I'm in. And I, I'm going to be able to do a lot of things that other people won't be able to do. And I think about my brother who like my brother makes like probably four times as much money as I do. But I know growing up, like with my, you know, my future daughter growing up, like I'm going to be able to spend more time with her than my brother will get to spend with his kids because he travels and he's always working. So I would say, don't compare yourself to other people, like figure out your own life and, and figure out a way to be happy and then honestly, just like take a risk because like when we moved down to North Carolina, Kelsey and I originally, she was like super nervous. I was super nervous. And we were like, we'll just give it two years. If two years, we don't like it, we'll move. Like it's, it's okay to fail because we're like 24, 25 at the time. It doesn't matter. Um, and we ended up staying down here and moving from Fayetteville, then moving up to Apex and now moving down to Fuquay and buying a house. So that's my advice. Take a leap of faith and don't compare yourself to other people. No, I mean, I, I think that's good. I think the comparison trap is definitely one that even like our teenagers listening are, will fall into uh, that need to stay away from. Um, 
for me though, I think it's more like trying to get as many experience as you can when you're in like your stage, Pete. Um, so like, don't let a you know little baby just stop you from doing things. Like, still go like try to see some places if that's available to you. Or and when I say experiences, it's not just travel, even though we did zero of that. Um, <laughs> I mean zero of that. Yeah, we started going to Ocean Isle when you were like four, though, bud. Um, but I would say, like, try to get more experiences, like, with who you hang out with a little bit. And I, and not just tying that into what we've been talking about with understanding other people. Um, but don't just keep the same group of four people that you go to church with, but trying to break out a little bit. Because um, that's one thing that I enjoyed kind of going from, you know, I was at three schools in three years, even though it was, like, the same or like, whatever. I moved every year. Uh, and just, like, having those different friendships at different schools was really, really beneficial. Uh, even though I went back and forth to the same school before I got the friendship, now that I think about it. But it was still like a new crop of people, uh, and, and that's really, really helpful. Um, but now that I say that, I plan on being at the same school for 20 years. So you got to find new ways to do that. All right. Like befriending a, a 28-year-old exactly. you know, and his wife. Exactly. That's what we're, we're going <laughs> to do. And I am going to live vicariously through you. Yes. That's the plan. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then also uh, live vicariously through our new baseball player. That's what we're going to do. There you go. There you go. Yep. Max Bertensino, by the way, is a great new uh, baseball coach. That's his, that's his new uh, one-on-one guy, his hitting coach, if nice. you, you want to sound fancy. Shout out. We're definitely not. Oh, he's fantastic. Did you have so much fun with Max? Yeah. All right. Awesome. Good deal. So – is it my turn at this point? Yeah, yeah no, I'm not going to go near, near as long as yeah. Pete. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, I, I was kind of thinking like deep, although now I'm wishing I had just made like a list of just like quick, funny, you know, quips. Um, I will say this for, for those of you who are graduating and you're moving on and, you know, you'll be in, I know you're a few years away from wedding season, you know, like all of us, like in our twenties or thirties, we kind of, you know, there's our friends sort of get married in clusters. Just remember yep. that if that if you can't buy them something off their registry, just give them cash. Yes, one hundred percent. That is a good cash. one. Even though there was so not to interrupt you, Billy, but <laughs> it's the joke in our friend group that we're really just exchanging the same dollar amounts mm -hmm. going around. <laughs> so it's like it's the cash gift, but it's like the same. It's like exchanging the same twenty back and forth in Venmo. Right. Right. Um, but no, I. <laughs> Cash is good for weddings. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, I was actually thinking about some kind of like big picture, you know, um, philosophizing advice. And as I was thinking, yeah, well, and as I was, you know, again, kind of in the, to make it kind of topical to both the community, nation, and world events that are going on, I got up on a little bit of a soapbox for, for just a second. I didn't stay on it long because I wasn't sure what the weight capacity of said box was. <laughs> so I hopped off pretty quick. Um, but you know, as I've, and some of this is actually informed by these graduating seniors who I taught in, um, AP Gov with you guys two, two yeah. years ago. Um, oh yeah. And, uh, so as I was thinking about what I would want to tell the hundred or so kids that I taught in that experience, I kind of like came upon sort of two themes. One was what I kind of called new, uh, nuance or purity. And the other was uh, cement. And 
I'll start with the cement. And what I mean by, by cement is that I would tell them, don't let the cement dry too quickly in terms of who you think you are, in terms of what you think you know, in terms of what you believe. Uh, you know, you need to explore, you need to engage, you need to dispute, and that includes disputing with, with yourself, and you need to question, because what you believe is not who you're gonna be in 10 or 20 years, and you need to be open to that being the case. I mean, again, I'm not, um, I'm not who I, you know, at 42, I'm not anywhere close to what I was when I was 17 or 18. And thank God for that. Um, Cause I was a hothead and I didn't, you know, and I thought I knew a lot more than what I really did. Uh, and so I'm, I'm grateful for kind of the, the journey that I've been on over the last 25 years or so. Um, and then sort of the second bit of philosophizing here, and I'll try to go through this one a little, you know, just as quickly is, you know, I get a sense and this sense is kind of accelerated through social media that people, but especially younger people. And again, I'm going to sound a little bit like, like Pete's papa here, you know, being up on my porch and, you know, get off my lawn. And, and Pete, I was impressed when you said that he was like a get off my, my porch guy. Cause when I'm an old guy, like I'm not even letting people on my lawn, much less. <laughs> Correct. I, I grew up understanding get off my lawn. Don't yeah. Even, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if your uh, papa would let people up on the porch, he's a hell of a guy. Now granted, um, <laughs> granted a little, uh, my grandfather lived in inner city Boston. So there was no lawn. Mm. There uh, you there, go. That's your there name. was only the porch. The porch right, right. There was like street porch. and then porch. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> got it. Got it. So, you know what it seems like is that we're demanding a greater degree of ideological purity from from those around us. That that there is no compromise. That we always have to be woke. Um, other than grad school last year, I, I said I was going to start giving out uh, gut punches to people who kept using the, the word woke. Um, but there's this sense that you're either all with me or you're all against me. And here would be my advice to the graduating seniors is you got to get over that. The world is messy. Um, ambiguities exist. People have flaws. The world is full of complicated problems that are going to have to be solved by complicated people who probably have fairly significant personal flaws. Um, allow for the gray and the nuance because gray and nuance is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know one analogy that, that I use, I probably use it too often, is, is I tell people not to paint with too broad of a brush. You know, and, and I think about solving some of the world's problems, you know, like, like painting a room and that, you know, in terms of changing the world or changing our society, a lot of the change that we really want to make is kind of in the margins. And if you compare it to that room, that means that like it's in the corners and you can't reach the corners with a brush that's too wide and too broad, you know, to, to really hit the corners, to really get the margins of making society better takes a little bit more precision, takes a little bit more skill, and it takes a hell of a lot more time, which is hard. It's hard work. Yeah. And my experience now too, just that analogy hits a little home with me because I've done a lot of painting and painting the corners is really hard and it's get, can get very frustrating. Um, so I definitely, I can definitely relate to that. And I think that's gonna be, I, I used to tell kids, well, I still tell kids, that like college is just like you're gonna change so much in college or like basically you're 18 to 24 because you're gonna meet new people you're gonna get introduced to new ideas you're going to leave the bubble hopefully leave the bubble that is apex you know north carolina and go explore a little which bit. can be a little bit of an echo chamber and that goes for all communities that goes for all schools 
Oh yeah. I mean, any school, I mean, you're just, you don't, you're not aware of opportunities that you guys have here that, you know, other people don't have and you just don't realize, you know, uh, what else is out there. I mean, my biggest thing I used to, I think what should be a requirement, even especially for teachers. And so I, my original school, my first school I taught at in Fayetteville was a rough school. I mean, it was rough, you know, fights every day, you know, kids not showing up, staff not showing up. Like it was a rough school. And like, I like, I think it's like, should be required that like teachers need to teach at these like rough type schools, like these, these low income schools, title one schools that like have all these issues because now you appreciate like how good Apex Friendship is in a lot of ways. Now we're, we, we still got a lot of problems that so we we're hopefully we'll be able to figure out in the next couple of years, but like the issues that are at Apex Friendship are a lot of times minor compared to issues at my old school. Um, and that's kind of just like, you know, people overblowing certain issues. Um, I always just got really frustrated with when I was, while I was teaching a friendship. I just, no, I think that's good to think about just big picture wise too, now that I've got both kids back inside post rest time, um, is, is more so kind of thinking about like how you could kind of shift education to fit that though. Like yeah. how we can, and it's not like the two of us are going to become education or the three of us are going to become education czars and we can fix it. Well, let's um, imagine that if we were in charge. I mean, like, let's just, we can figure it what out. What could go wrong? We can figure it out. more fun. I think yeah. 100% would be more fun. Um, but like, I mean, really, like what kind of things could we do to, to make all that work though? Because I think there's several things that we could put in place to, to help balance that out. And basically, so like all of us aren't just at, at friendship and you're helping other schools out uh, like where you were before. Yeah. Because um, right now it does kind of gravitate up. And I mean, there's a reason all three of us are at friendship. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we're at friendship. At the end of the day, the issues that we have can be minor compared to the issues that exist at other schools. Um, and so, Bill, I don't want to hold you for too much longer because we do have a time limit on this Zoom call. But... I did want to touch on because you and a couple of our other staff members really did a lot of helping, you know, just with kind of our social emotional stress really of like teaching is that you and two of our other staff members started doing a trivia night for the staff and staff family every Tuesday, uh, which became extremely popular. We coach Sanders and I were on the big Lebowski's with uh, Mr. Long and Mr. Gronkowski and uh, Miss Donders and our spouses, and we were three-time winners. Is there going to be an overall championship winner, or did I miss, miss something? We, you, I don't you know. Missed. We have to go. I, I, we probably should go back through through the standings. You know, that's something maybe I'll, I'll make my project over the next couple of weeks, go back and add up, like, all the points for the whole season and, and kind of list, like, the individual winners, you know. Yeah. Why not? Um, how – so, I mean – I, I'm sure you got a lot of emails or text messages and just especially in the comments, but like that was really important for me because it's honestly, I, it was kind of like, I have this Tuesday night. That's awesome. Like I get to see staff members. I got to talk to Sanders and Donders and, and Caitlin and, and Shane and, and kind of, it was, the game was fun, but it was a reason just to see other staff members in between when you guys were figuring out the score. So I want to ask you like, how did this come about? If you can talk about that just briefly. Sure. Uh, it came about, uh, it, was, it was the brainchild of Paul Lockwood, who was one of my co-hosts, along with Matt Yeager. Uh, but Paul, Paul reached out to us. I think they had done this at one of his other schools. Uh, so he reached out to us and, um, you know, 
technology wise, it was kind of a, um, it was kind of a heavy lift. Luckily, Paul is a techie. So he did about 98% of that lifting. Uh, but yeah, but it was really his brainchild. I think, uh, I think he and Matt are going to, uh, step in to, uh, the rather large shoes of Sharon at, as our social chair for next year. So this was kind of be a sort of like a kickoff to that. No, I mean, that's the, I will tell, I mean, it's going to be no, only staff members know how good it was, but like the technology behind it, you guys got better and better every week when you talk about just like background music and the graphics that you guys just, and the sound quality was really good. But I mean, I, I look forward to it every week. And I was actually, I was really sad when you guys told us it was the last time there was a part of me that was hopeful that it was going to go on during the summer, but I mean, how long did it take you guys to like come up with questions for that? Um, each guy kind of had his own process. Um, you know, for me, I really enjoyed that. And I, I will be honest, you know, um, thank you, Google. Uh, you know, I, I kind of came up with some, with some kind of broad parameters of topics. And then I, I Googled and searched and, and, you know, sort of made a big list and then just uh, winnowed it down. I will tell you, it, the, the, the most challenging part was trying to hit that sweet spot between interesting questions, fun questions, hard questions, some that everyone would get. So, you know, that, that was really where a lot of the time was spent was trying to tweak and make sure that you had a nice mix and a nice balance of questions. But again, all of the tech stuff was Paul, like Matt and I showed up every week, we logged into the zoom and then Paul's like, Hey guys, I got this new trick this week. We're going to, we're going to do this new background or, or we're going to play music during the break. And, I was literally like, okay, that sounds cool. Let's do that. I got my paper. I got my paper so I can read off of. All yeah, right, exactly. Cool. Exactly. Like La last question. <laughs> uh, you, uh, now during this trivia, we could see all of you. So we could see you and Blackwelder and Lockwood. Um, you couldn't see any of us. And so we could see you when you were talking and you always went, hey, y'all, it's Billy. Um, even though we're fully aware. So where's that from? Why, why, why introduce yourself like that? That is such an inside joke, but that is a callback to one of the characters or one of the cast of my favorite sports talk radio show, um, Levitard show on ESPN radio. One of their producers, uh, Guillermo, who goes by Billy, you know, whenever he's out on a remote doing something, they throw it to Billy. They say, okay, now here's, here's Guillermo and he never fails. The first words out of his mouth are, Hey, it's Billy. <laughs> Really, a Levitard fan? I don't know yeah, how oh, to pick that oh. out. I, I listened to that podcast. Actually, um, I listened to it live today as I was driving back and forth from Raleigh to Durham. But I, I listened to that podcast religiously every day. Nice. Really? Yeah. See, I, oh, yeah. I'm actually not a huge Levitard fan. Yeah. I can't stand him whatsoever. And I didn't at first. Like, I was one of those, like, you could hit the gong on me, you know, you don't get the show, right, in uh, Poppy's voice. Uh, but then, like, once I got it and once I was into it, yeah, like I'm, and, and, and I'm the only person I know who likes it. If that says something about me, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so what's like the, like I'm a, I'm a, you know, Will Bond and Kornheiser guy. Yeah. It's the inanity of it. It's, it's just that it's, it's almost like a spoof. I mean, you know, and you guys know me, like I find like no matter what's going on, I look for the funny immediately and I can normally find it. Um, and even if I'm joking about something, it doesn't mean that I don't take it seriously, but I appreciate that the show doesn't take itself seriously and that when it's bad, it's better. Like they sink into the awkward and they sink into the awful, which is sort of like one of my personal life mottos. When it's bad, it's better. That's your yes. life motto. When yes. It's when bad, it's bad, it's better. It's better. <laughs> 
every episode I try to figure out what our title is going to be, and I'm not sure that's what's going to be the winner, though. Yeah. Yeah. No. All right. So, so, Billy, we have about three minutes. All right. And I just like, I know Adam, you know, just like, I'm not sure what his kids are doing. They're probably going insane right now. We're watching Wildcrats at the moment. Well, that's a good show. Billy, anything else you want to say? Anything else that's on your mind? Anything that, anything you want to ask Sanders? Uh, so, Other Coach Sanders, what's the fall going to look like? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's, a, what's, your, uh, what's your COVID uh, protocol for scenario one, two, and three? <laughs> uh, the COVID protocol for phase one is play Madden. Uh, yeah. the protocol for phase two is you get to play Madden in someone else's yard. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And phase three is you can go to the field by yourself and wear one of those little giants. Uh, you remember little giants where the kids oh, yeah. that, like fully oh, yeah. wrapped in styrofoam? Yeah. Yeah. That's basically where we're at. So I'm going to say at uh, this point, you're dusting off the old, um, Herschel Walker workout plans, right? Where it's like a thousand oh, push-ups oh, and sit-ups every day. We were, we were past that. We've basically got an app that is just a picture of Herschel Walker that we yeah. send them. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know what it's going to look like. And you're the 18,000 person to ask. Me. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know. You know, it's funny. No one has asked me as a lacrosse coach what's going right. to look like. Well, <laughs> I hear that Heritage High School uh, has a beat on it. <laughs> oh, gosh. He just doesn't read the rules. Um, nope, nope. And that's a new guy up there too. That's not. That's not. And that's a good guy up there. Um, I coach with him. I mean, he's a good dude. I wouldn't be surprised if he has no idea what even the password to the Twitter account is. Seriously. <laughs> oh man, no, it's gonna be a mess. Whatever it looks like, and it's gonna be massive trial and error. But yeah. if it, here's here's where it comes down to though, like you talked to, I've talked to so many medical people, and they're like, no, let them go play. Like lit, like there. If you can assume a little bit of minimal risk. For sixteen-year-olds, then the benefits far outweigh it. Let them go right. play, right. Uh, and that's just the difference between a sixteen-year-old and a seventy-six-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, let them go play, and especially like you. I don't know. There's I, this is a four-hour conversation with me, right. which I don't right. want to get into. <sighs> I hope we get to play. It's gonna be life is gonna be really dull without it for all of us. How about that? One hundred percent. I already so, think I got too much time on my hands. Yeah, I can't even fathom. So, all right, well, it's good seeing you, buddy. Good to see you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Of course. The one and only, hey, it's Billy.